For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it, with justice and with righteousness from the time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Hi everyone, so good to uh, be with you again. Uh, we are going to be taking a look at the coming of Jesus at Christmas, what we call the incarnation, and how that relates to government, how that relates to government. Now, I guess a question that might be on your mind is why, why five days away from Christmas are we looking at the government? And now the reality is that as a nation, government is always a topic for conversation. Uh, from breakfast TV right through to evening news, I would hazard a guess that more minutes are spent talking about government and politics than just about any other major theme or issue. And perhaps with good cause, right? I mean, me and you, we hold the government at least partially responsible for our collective and individual abilities to, to prosper and to, to thrive. And in years gone by, we may have said that governmental decisions kind of take a while to filter through to our day-to-day -day lives. But not so in 2020, right? Uh, we, this year, perhaps more than ever, have seen the direct link between governmental decisions and whether we're allowed to leave our front doors or not. Uh, with that said, these decisions, decisions of great magnitude such as we've seen this year have been scrutinized right through the year, uh, meaning that government really has been a mega theme of 2020. And so at the end of the year, it's appropriate to stop for a moment and, and take a look at what the Bible says about this theme that has so dominated our lives. But why now? Why at Christmas? Well, the passage that we've just had read for us is a famous Christmas scripture. It's, it speaks about the baby that would be born at Christmas. It speaks about Jesus. But right at the heart of what it's speaking about is government, which means that the, 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 Chris, the Christmas message, the message of the coming of Jesus, the message of the incarnation, really has something to say to government. And so we'll take a look at what it says. But we are indeed five days out from Christmas and I'm excited. I, I love Christmas because one of my favourite traditions happens. The pulling of the Christmas cracker. I love the pulling of the cracker. The reason I find it so funny is because there are so many elements to it. Uh, first of all, nobody just finds themselves pulling a cracker. No, you, you kind of gather around, around the Christmas table with family and or friends. It's, it's kind, of, kind of like a ceremony. And you learn lots from uh, your family members by how they choose to pull the cracker. Uh, you, you get kind of the family members that, shall we say, are uh, perhaps more risk averse, kind of pulling the crackers a bit like this, right, in a circle. And you get those family members that kind of like to live life a bit more on the edge. <laughs> but the reality is that with these crackers on the outside, they, they do, they, they promise so much with the added thrill of a gift on the inside. And, and we get really excited. I think, I think we think like, like a Tesla's gonna fall out of one of these things. Oh, no way, what? 
it's a fortune-telling fish writhing around in my hand. And that, that takes me to the, the gifts in a cracker. And I think the less said about the gifts in a cracker, the better. I think the best gift I got from a cracker was the oversized green paperclip of 06. I guess that serves me right for buying my crackers in Poundland. And of course, there is the cracker etiquette. Cracker etiquette, right? The, the, the ways that you're meant to pull a cracker. You, you don't just pull a cracker anyhow. And there are a couple of things that are, I would say, forbidden, okay? One of those things is this. Holding 60% of the cracker and ruining Christmas. You know the sort? You know the sort? They kind of win the cracker pulling contest and they kind of act like, oh yeah, what? I won? Little old me? And I mean, you kind of laugh it off and you're like, ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. But inside you're thinking, note to self, do not invite back next year. Now, that, that takes me now to everybody's favourite part of the cracker, and that is, of course, the jokes. The jokes! I love the jokes. Now, the jokes always come with a hat, and there's always that family member isn't there. Who, who is it for you? That family member that insists that everybody's got to wear the hat for at least, like, 20 minutes after you've pulled the cracker. But anyway, you get the jokes, right? And the jokes are my favourite part of the cracker as well. Uh, reason being, it's where I get my best preach intros from. But with that said, uh, governments can really function kind of like crackers. And the reason I say that is because they, they promise so much on the outside so often. Uh, but even with the best will in the world, no government is really able to, I guess, live up to the lofty expectations that are set for it right from the beginning. And I don't say that as, as a pessimist. To be honest, I'm, I'm quite the opposite. But when we, when we look at the origins of government, when we look at where government came from, when we look at why do we even do life in this way in terms of government, well, we see the beginning of kind of an unfortunate trend. Uh, because when we look at the Bible, we see the, the first ever human government. And we see the first ever human government actually fairly early on in the Bible. Uh, so early on, it's on page one of the Bible, the first page of your Bible. Uh, we see in Genesis chapter one, God create our first parents, Adam and Eve. And, and God would give our first parents stunning responsibility. God would say to them that they were to essentially have dominion. They were to be the earth's governors. They were the first ever human government. And in amongst this stunning, Stunning responsibility would be one restriction. And that restriction was that they were forbidden from eating the fruit from the forbidden tree, uh, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God would be clear. God said, if you eat the fruit from this tree, death will come in. Death will come in. Sadly, that's exactly what happened. And so therefore moving from page one of the Bible to two pages later to page three of the Bible, again, early on in Genesis chapter three, we see a lot happen in this chapter. As a result of human sin, the first human sin, we see the history's first government misuse their power, display a lack of leadership, have poor communication, allow a simple message to get distorted, they would be too slow to act. As a result of their slowness in action, death occurred. And along with death 
came severe restrictions that were placed on humanity, changing the way humanity would live forever. Now, these restrictions, they, they, they were because of the first ever human virus, the, the, the ancient virus, the virus of, of sin. A virus so contagious that even the leaders would go down with it. And along with the virus came lockdown in that the earth, humanity and the governments that represent it would be locked down in the house of sin, unable to escape. Why? Well, because the earth's first government didn't follow what you might call the sage wisdom of God. This really is, is an old problem. And as a result of the, 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 the weakness of Earth's first government, subsequent governments that derive from the first government would also display the same weaknesses. They really would. And, and why is that? Well, the reason is that they are full of people like me and you. People like Adam and Eve. Which means that if we, if we, those of us that are not in public office, uh, understand that we are able to make mistakes and poor decisions, uh, we do well to, to pause before we uh, point the finger in, in, in judgment to those in public office who likewise, like us, are able to make mistakes and poor decisions. Why? Because public office or not, whether you lean to the left or whether you lean to the right, whether you read The Guardian or The Telegraph, The Daily Mirror or Daily Mail, whoever you are, we all, all of us, stand before the true judge. And we all stand guilty. Guilty of spreading the virus the virus of sin. But with that said, we are more politically engaged than ever. What with Brexit having, uh, being one of the largest democratic exercises of a generation, with, with the 2020 US election having the highest voter turnout in, in living memory, and with regular updates on the greatest public health crisis of our time, we, we truly are more politically engaged than ever. And and that's not a bad thing. Uh, but generally speaking, uh, to be fair, there are exceptions, but generally speaking, we fall into one of three categories with how we see a political party or the government of the day. We see them generally as devil, deliverer, or we're disinterested. Devil, deliverer, or disinterested. But where does God sit in amongst these extremes? Does God see the government as the devil? Does God see the government as the deliverer? Or, or is God disinterested? Does he think, oh, well, they're all the same? Well, well the answer to that question really is, is no. No, no God, God, God isn't a fan of the alternative. The alternative being anarchy. In fact, there's a book in the Bible and in the Old Testament that talks about uh, kind of what happens when everybody is left to their own devices, doing what is right in their own mind. Uh, that's the book of, of Judges. It's kind of, kind of like an experiment into what anarchy looks like. And I tell you, some of the most 
heinous stories come from that very book. So, so God, God really isn't a fan of anarchy. So he, he sees governmental authority and leadership as, as a good thing. And we see this in, in, in two ways, really. We see this in the implicit and we see this in the explicit. In the implicit, we see that God really has established government in, in many key areas of life. Uh, therefore, we see government over nations, we see government in schools, we see government in the church, we see government in the heavens. We even see government in families with the parents as God's delegated authority flows from his throne through Jesus into these institutions. Now, that is, that is what's implied. God, God would be explicit about this in, in Romans chapter 13. Uh, Romans chapter 13, verse 1 to 2, say this. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed. On this issue, the Bible would go further in Acts chapter 23, verse 5, saying this, you shall not speak evil of a ruler of your people. You shall not speak evil of a ruler of your people. And if I might be so bold, these aren't suggestions by God. No, they're, 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 they're important to him. They're important to him even when the government of the day is, shall we say, less than perfect. Far less than perfect even. Now, if you're anything like me, at this point, you, you would have a few but what about if questions. And if you don't, you're, you're probably not listening carefully enough. No. Those questions are good. And to be sure, there are key exceptions. However, before we kind of jump to sort of one extreme, it's worth saying that these verses that I've just read, they were written in times of appalling government, jaw-droppingly bad government, governments far worse than you or I would ever experience, the vast majority of us anyway. They really are. And when we look at the Son of God, Jesus Christ himself, he would display remarkable subjection to the authorities of the day, allowing them to treat him shamefully and crucify him mercilessly. Now, if anyone in human history had good cause to lash out, surely it would be him. But did he? Now, all that to say that God, God is no fool. God is not unaware of the tremendous potential for governments for great evil. He, he is. He, he, he was there with the first government and he, he's been there with every government ever since watching. That's why God would prescribe, uh, well, activism. God, God is looking for activists. Did you know that? And the activism that God prescribes, the activism of prayer. There is no tool available to humanity which is more potent in, in initiating change than prayer to God in the name of Jesus. And it says this in uh, 1 T 
Timothy, it says this. It says, prayers for kings and all those in high positions is of first importance for churches. A meaning that through prayer, God invites you to be a part of his cabinet. How? Well, praying is governing. And Jesus, Jesus would take this idea further in arguably the most famous prayer of all time. Uh, Jesus says in Matthew chapter six, he says, guys, guys, when you pray, to paraphrase, when you pray, pray like this. Pray, your government come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And in this, we find the solution. The solution to imperfect government. New government. New government. The scripture that we read at the beginning declares, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. God wants the government of the nations to be on the shoulder of his only son, Jesus. And just like your local MP is to represent you in parliament, by becoming like us at Christmas, Jesus Christ is able to represent you to God the Father in the heavens. Meaning that at Christmas, we celebrate the birth of a baby who was born to take down the government. But not the government you might be thinking of. Uh, Jesus didn't come to have a pop at the Conservatives or Labour or Lib Dems or the Greens or anyone else. No, no, Jesus went after a government far more fundamental to the way you or I live. Jesus went after the government that affects your life and my life more than any other government. Jesus went after the ancient government, the government of sin. Which means at Christmas, we celebrate really an inauguration. The incarnation is inauguration because we celebrate the, the coming of God's government because God's government became a man because Jesus and faith in Jesus is the government of God. And this would be the first government ever. Jesus' government would be the first government in history that would be the opposite to a Christmas cracker. Jesus coming with, with no razzle-dazzle, no glitz and glamour, uh, being born in a nowhere place to nobody parents, born in a, literally a trough surrounded by animals, the smells, the, the, the lack of hygiene, taking the form of a baby, a helpless baby, yet inside being full of power. And as the scripture declares, he would be wonderful counsellor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. To us, to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given and the government will be upon his shoulder. Dear friend, the miracle of Christmas is that Jesus would be given shoulders. 
aren't you pleased that God didn't decide to establish his government in your life by shouting at you from a cloud? Aren't you pleased that God didn't decide to establish his government on the earth by sending rules, regulations, treaties and contracts? No, no, God would send his very own son, a real man, a real man that really existed with, with warm hands, with eyes, eyes that you could gaze into, with a heart, a big heart. And of course, as the scripture declares, with shoulders, shoulders broad enough for you to rest your head on, Shoulders broad enough to hold all things together. Jesus, he, he didn't come to, to criticise you. He didn't come to, to fold his arms at you. No, he came to sympathise with you. He came to identify you with you. He came to get you. He came to forgive your sin. He came to heal us. Heal us from sin itself and the miserable effects of sin. So dear friend, tell me, what, what is governing you? And I mean really, what's been your governor? Perhaps this year you have struggled in terms of anxiety. Maybe this year your anxiety has been flowing up through the roof. Maybe, maybe in particular financially. Maybe you just think, do you know what? I, I, I basically just need more money. Maybe anxiety has been your governor. Well, let me encourage you. Come to Jesus. Let him be your governor. He, he, he is a better governor than anxiety. Believe you me. Or, or maybe for you, it's not that. Maybe for you, it's hurt. Perhaps for you, there have been situations in your life where you felt um, controlled, controlled. Maybe it was um, in a family situation or a work situation, maybe even in the church. Perhaps you sort of act on the outside like everything's okay, but you know inside actually you've really deeply been wounded. And if that is you, let me say this. I am so sorry. I am so sorry. I know what that feels like. I really do. Let me say to you, come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. He is a better governor than hurt. He is a better leader than unforgiveness. He, as the scripture declares, will be to you as an everlasting father. He will be prince of peace to you. Or maybe, maybe it's guilt. Maybe you struggle with, with guilt. Maybe there's this kind of medium to low level of guilt that you sort of live your life with. Maybe you've not even noticed it's there. Maybe you thought, well, maybe there is something there. Maybe you're just noticing it now. Maybe you've even made peace with it. Maybe you said, well, I'm just going to have to kind of just live with this. Or maybe for you it's not guilt, maybe it's shame. It's twin. Perhaps there are things that you're involved in that you, that after which you just kind of feel that sense of inner uncleanness, kind of like being naked on the inside, that feeling of, of shame. 
have, has guilt or shame been your governor? Well, a number of years ago, uh, my wife, Nina, and I have permission to tell this story, uh, she um, struggled with um, a sin. So, so, there was a sin um, that she had committed at one point in her life that she was ashamed of. And um, she was having a time of it because um, she, she was having night terrors. And we, we were praying to God, say, hey, God, what's going on? Um, but God led her in a quite a specific way, actually. God, um, Nina felt God say that she should confess this sin to, to her father. Her father was probably the last person she wanted to confess any sin to, of course. Um, but she felt it was right. And she um, asked her dad for some time for them to have one-on-one -on -one time. And her dad was, said, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, sure, whenever. Uh, the time came for um, Nina and her dad to um, have this one-on-one -on -one time. And Nina, could, she couldn't speak. Um, she, she, she couldn't get the words out of her mouth. And she started to, to, to cry. And she was eventually able, through the tears, to like, push out the words, Dad, I have something to confess to you. No sooner had Nina finished um, saying these words, Nina's dad cried out, I forgive you, I forgive you, I forgive you. Whatever you've done, I forgive you. Jesus came from heaven to earth to be born a baby so that he can get close enough to those of us that struggle with guilt and with shame and say, I forgive you. I forgive you. I forgive you. Whatever you've done, I forgive you. That's what the government of God looks like through faith in Jesus. Why? Because he is indeed the wonderful counsellor, mighty God, everlasting father and prince of peace. Let me lead you in a prayer. Perhaps some of you uh, understand that you, you have had other rulers, other governors, other leaders of your life, and you understand actually you want Jesus. You understand that his government is better. I'm just going to lead you in a prayer to, to come back to Jesus or to become a Christian. Come to Jesus for the first time. Pray this in your heart. Father God, I realise that I have come under the wrong forms of government. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for not coming to you. I repent of my sin. But Lord, I choose now to come to the true governor, the better governor, Jesus, your son. And I unreservedly give myself to him. Father God, would you forgive me and would you break off the chains, chains of other governments that have not done me good? Father, come into my life, take control, have your way 
And would you fill me with your spirit? Fill me with your power so that I can know your nearness even this Christmas. I ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.